I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Genuinely love how much love our community gets this month. And I love that we're getting booked for stuff that so many people are getting booked for stuff that small businesses are kind of elevated at this moment. So I like love it, but I'm also like conflicted with how it comes off because it's not celebrated in the community. It's celebrated in like corporate spaces, I feel like. Yeah, like I've never seen a HHM parade. I've never seen like a like a club. Yeah. I've never seen a club flyer that was like, yo, it's gonna be lit, HHM. You, you already know it's gonna be poppin'. You know what I mean? Like I I grew up with like Dominican Independence Day being a big thing and like that being a moment for celebration. I remember like the Dominican parade. In New York, I bet parades. it was lit. Oh, always lit. And they always got the, the band. They always got crazy bottle specials, like two for one hookahs. You right know. <laughs> Lord. Mi gente, dímelo. What's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel. And on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. Every week, we typically have a new guest join us for a candid conversation where we explore the conflict that they have experienced between professionalism and authenticity. That said, every month we do take a break. I actually have a live series that I do every month with the homie Odalis on a series that we call Unfiltered, which we do live on YouTube and LinkedIn. We just recorded that episode. So what you're gonna hear is that conversation. She also has a podcast where she typically shares people's experiences and stories from the community. So every month is our turn to share what's going on in our lives. And we talk about what's going on in the world, current events. And because of the dates, it feels right to talk about Hispanic Heritage Month. One quick thing to highlight, we did have some tech issues towards the end, my bad y'all, as it led to not the smoothest ending of this episode. So if you feel like the conversation just kind of ended that's why all good though it's still a dope conversation which i'm excited for y'all to hear with that said let's just get into it is that something that you struggle with bobin are you like late all the time or is that did that stereotype pass you oh i think that stereotype passed me i like to think i'm pretty on time early if if anything Damn. I feel like I you asked me you. in advance because you're late. That part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always late. I'm always late. I don't know what it is. I just I tell my friends at this point, I'm like, just tell me a certain time so I can actually be there earlier. Um I don't know. I don't know. I'm it's funny because the one the one time that we actually did meet up in person, you, you were actually late. <laughs> Dios mio santo. I'm always I don't know I can't get over it. I'm trying to practice but like the problem is that sometimes I feel like I have a lot of time and I'm like oh like okay I have like 30 minutes 40 minutes I'll be good and then mm -hmm. algo pasa I'm just slow I don't, quien sabe? I don't know 
I don't know why I'm late. I, I don't well, have an answer. On, you were on time today, though, which is impressive because at least for me, it's noon. So I already had time to process, go to the I had time to poop. I had time to get coffee. I had time to do a lot. Like you're you're probably just waking up. You did not. No, you know, I wake up at 530. I told you that. Still? I don't know if you Yeah. Yeah. I got I got my ass to the gym. I was there. Um, did my workout this morning. Um, came home, got together. Yeah, aquí estoy. I'm a whole productive ass woman, okay? <laughs> well done. Ever since I quit my job, I don't remember last time I even used an alarm. Wow. Do you like that though? Is it I, freedom? I love it. Is it liberating? Oh my God. I, I just wake up whenever I wake up. Yeah. So these days I wake up at like, I used wow. to do the five o'clock, go to the gym, journal, do all that mm -hmm. stuff. Now I just wake up at like nine and roll out of bed. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Well, let's talk. Oh. Real quick question. What does right now mean? Like someone, oh, I'm looking at the comments. Oh, people are like, right now, does that mean, you're talking about like when you meet up with people? It's funny, a lot of people, <laughs> Justin, what in the Twitch is going on here? Yes, this is LinkedIn Live, y'all. We're also what live on YouTube. What in the Twitch is going on? <laughs> We're also live on YouTube, but it's a it's a monthly series that Odalis and I do. Um, I guess we can start with the intros, right? Like this is a monthly series that you and I do because... We each have our own podcast, Quien Tu Eres, mm -hmm. Hella Latina, and we always share other people's stories, other people's experience. So this is the the once a month time where we're like, yo, let's share what's going on in our lives, our perspective, our mm -hmm. experiences. So this is another yeah. um, episode of that. And this month, it's an interesting conversation that we thought about. We're like, yo, it's, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. It's Latino Heritage Month. Like... How do you feel about that? And then it's an interesting dynamic around like now we're getting booked for things during during this time. So we're going from like participants in like our different companies. And now we're like we are the programming for companies. It's a weird transition. Yeah. It's so weird. I think we were talking about too. Um and I'm curious what everyone's first Hispanic Heritage Month event was. So let us know in the comments. Um, but I was telling Pavel, I'm like, I never really even went to a Hispanic Heritage Month before I started speaking at them. Like, it's so it's so weird to me because even at my last company, I mean, all my previous work experience has been like agency, small business it was never celebrated. We never did anything for Hispanic Heritage Month. And it's not like we grow up or I didn't grow up with my parents saying, yo, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. <laughs> like, we, you know, we talked about that too. Like I celebrate the Independence Day of Honduras, which happens to be on the 15th of September, which is the first day. But no, I didn't grow up like celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month and being in corporate now, I see how big of a deal it is. And it's just, it's interesting. Like, I don't like how do you feel? Do you feel like it's it's dope, it's fire? Cause sometimes I feel like it it is such a cool month where we get to celebrate us, it's all about us. And then I also feel like, is this low-key performative from like a company's perspective? Like, I don't know. I go back and forth because I genuinely love how much love our community gets this month and i love that we're getting booked for stuff that so many people are getting booked for stuff that small businesses are kind of elevated at this moment so i like love it but i'm also like conflicted 
with how it comes off because it's not celebrated in the community. It's celebrated in like corporate spaces, I feel like. Yeah, like I've never know. seen a HHM parade. I've never seen like a like a club. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen a club flyer that was like, yo, it's gonna be lit HHM. You, you already know it's gonna be profit. You know what I mean? Like I I grew yeah. up with like Dominican Independence Day being a big thing and like that being a moment for celebration. I remember like the Dominican parade in New York. I bet it was lit. Oh, always lit. And they always got the, the band. They always got crazy bottle specials, like two for one hookahs. You right now. <laughs> Lord. But yeah, like I was actually thinking about like, what was my first HHM event? And I think it was like a corporate experience. Like, mm. I don't remember what job. I don't remember when it was, but like, I didn't even know what HHM was until I got to corporate. Like, it took me yeah. so long to even understand that it's not even a month because I'm so used to like people having dedicated months like black history month there's even like pride month right but like even the fact that we're like the 15th to the 15th like it took me a while to even like understand the history behind it but mm -hmm. I, I struggle with hhm just like i struggle with like even the word latino or even the word hispanic like again I'm, i didn't grow up using that word no one ever asked me like yo what are you where are you from and i'm like oh i'm latino i've never said that i've always said i'm dominican you know what i mean yeah so i see the power in like bringing us together under like a word or like a group or self i you know a self-identifying like i see the power in coming together but it feels very like it's so difficult to celebrate everyone together with so many different things like so many different oh, parts of our culture like did i tell you about my trader joe's story but, but tell me please I went to Trader Joe's and it said Hispanic Heritage Month on a little banner. And there was like Via de los Muertos decorations everywhere, like little plants and like Via de los Muertos, like little, <sighs> what do you call them? Um, planters. And I'm like, yo, not every Latino celebrates this holiday. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's like they, they try to put an umbrella over us, but like, like you were just saying, Honduras versus Dominican Republic are very different. And I grew up the same way. I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I'm a child of immigrants or I'm a Latina, Hispanic. Like I never grew up with those terms. I grew up, like you said, I grew up being Hondureña and like I'm a Honduran. Went to school. I was a Honduran and I spoke Spanish like my Mexican friends. And that was it. That was all I knew. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the word Latino was kind of it's new to me still. And I I mean, I love it and I embrace it. But it is, it's so interesting. It's so interesting how we are kind of grouped together. And that's why, I mean, this is why we created those spaces that we're creating now. Like for me, my podcast is really centered on, they try to put us on a box, but like, this is a difference between our experience, whether you're growing up in New York, whether you're growing up in Texas, whether you're growing up in LA, wherever you're growing up, our experience as first generation, as Dominicans, Mexicans, Hondurans, Puerto Ricans, it's all different. It's all very different and everything yeah. affects everything. And that's what I'm trying to highlight. But you're so right. During this month, it does feel like it's sometimes it's trying to like bring us all together. But like I didn't grow up listening to mariachi music. So like <laughs> I don't really vibe with it as much. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, you know, yeah. I, it's it's just so interesting. It's interesting. Well, it's interesting because Dia de la Muerte, for example, and even like a lot of the things you're talking about, obviously like very Mexican focused. 
And mm-hmm. like, I think last time we looked it up, like the Mexican population is the biggest Latino population in the United States. So yeah, even yeah. in like corporate spaces, like just given just population numbers, like a lot of the employees typically are like Mexican as well. So even the corporate celebrations of HHM, depending on what office you're in, is probably going to be heavy Mexican focus, like in California, for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, is it different in New York? Hi, well, I feel I, like so f- New York has a lot of Caribbean representation. I feel like California is very, very Mexican culture. But I mean, I see a confused for Mexican all the time in, in California, anywhere in California. Really? If I speak Spanish, they're like, oh, you speak Mexican. And I'm like, no, I speak Spanish. Um, I'm not Mexican. <laughs> and people are always kind of it's an educational moment. Right. But when I went to New York the one time someone thought I was Cuban and I was like, oh, that's new. Like, I'm not Cuban. And she's like, Puerto Rican. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, I could just tell you I'm Honduran. <laughs> like, but it, it's interesting because depending where you're at, you get different, you get mistaken for different things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot heavier on the Caribbean side um, in New York, but I think that's really interesting though. Cause like your corporate celebration of HHM is probably going to be reflective of like the population, the Hispanic or Latino population that has that is present there as well. So like in New York, all the ERGs yeah. that I've been a part of like was a little heavier on the Dominican Puerto Rican side. So um, I felt a little bit more like seen and heard and well received as far as like the input for those celebrations. But when you ladder it up to like yeah. a national ERG event or a global ERG event, I think it was like less of that. But on California, would, would you a little wow. bit more local? Like, I'm sure it was heavier on the Mexican side, right? Just the theme was, of everything. Yeah, the theme of everything. And I mean, even in school, I mean, for context, I grew up in San Diego, which is the border, right? Like, it's so close to the border of Mexico and California. And naturally, there is a lot of immigrant communities, but... And it is heavy in Mexican-American culture. There's a big Chicano movement that happened in San Diego. It's really prevalent. And the difference is that people don't always realize there's a lot more immigrants that come into San Diego because that's kind of the entrance, right? So a lot of Central Americans, a lot of um, folks in Mexico, they come into San Diego and then they, they disperse, right? But my, I grew up in a community, heavy, heavy immigrant culture and grew up around, I mean, my neighbors were Mexican. The folks down the street were Puerto Rican. We had Colombians. My be- my dad's best friend was Dominican. He was problematic and we'll talk about that later. Oh. But my, my, he was like my Theo. Like I call them Theo all the time. And like, that was my community. But I think in my head, I didn't understand the difference between Dominican, Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? I just was like, mm-hmm. we all speak Spanish. We're all the same. Um, I guess I never like put that together. But I remember even going to college and I couldn't like I couldn't join the Latino groups. Like I didn't always feel seen or represented within school. Like at home, it was like, that's my whole family. Some of Hondureños, we were a big, big Honduran community with all these other friends and extended family. But going to school always felt like, I mean, all my best friends are Mexican. They would always tell me like, oh, why do you, what do you say? You don't say, what do you say? I'm like, I say, well, and it would be like, ah, like she just spoke something different, you know, like it was always like weird. Like I was always a different one. 
But then I um, went to I went to school in San Jose, again, California. And it was more of the same. I saw a little more Salvadorian. I saw a little more like of that sazon, but still heavy, heavy Mexican culture. And every time I joined these groups, it felt like, I don't know, I just didn't feel seen. Did you join groups well, in college? I I did, but it's interesting. Like I also didn't have a lot of friends in like from the Latino community in college. I think I gravitated yeah. more towards um, the black community. Um, and I yeah. honestly like can't like I can't think of why. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just did it. But it's interesting too. Like even in that scenario of you trying to like fit in and 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 just like within your identity within the Latino community, like you were trying to throw events and you were trying to put on different different programs. Like, were people receptive to your ideas or like did they just like not understand it? Were there, were there similarities and things that y'all were trying to do? Yeah, I'll tell you this story because I was a nerd in college um, and I did student government. I was literally, I was that person in college. I was doing orientation and I was like, oh, this like this is a statue. It means blah, 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 blah. Um, oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. I know, I know uh, in a past life. But one of the things that I did for two, three years, I was part of student government and mm -hmm. I was on the board, did my little campaign and everything at the size. But one moment in particular, I was in, in a boardroom and there was 12 of us. There was four Latinos. I was, um, or I guess five Latinos. I was the Honduran one. Another one, she was um, half, half white, half Guatemalan, and then the other three were Mexican. And we were thinking about this idea of opening up an undocumented Latino center and of course, I'm like, that's so fire. Let's do it. And they landed on the Chicanex Undocumented Center. And I'm like, that was the name of it that they proposed? That was the name. That was the name they proposed. And I was like, um, you're actually leaving out a ton of people, <laughs> you know what I mean, mm -hmm. who don't identify with Chicanex. Like, I don't. And it ended up being a debate, like a whole ass debate between the Latinos in the in the room. Again, it was three against one. And they were like, well, Chicano just means like anyone who was born in the U.S. And I'm like, uh, that's not what it means. Like, you know, like there's people like me who are just the same. We speak Spanish. We're part of the community. I do not identify as Chicano and Chicana. And it ended up being a whole, it ended up feeling weird for me because it felt like I was almost going against my own community. Like I didn't understand mm. why we were in this debacle or whatever. And I mean, I, they ended up running with it. And I think Chica Next is still part of the name. But till this it's day. still something that's, till this day, I think it's called like the Chica Next Center. I, I need to like confirm. Um but it's still out there. Chicanx is used in a lot of different ways at San Jose State. And it's still, for me, I get that there's a heavy Mexican-American culture, but you're leaving out so many other Latinos who are still going to school, that are still craving community. And for me, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I didn't join a lot of these Latino groups, because I felt like it it didn't encapsulate my experience. So That's deep. But it's, it's tough, though, right? Like, Ale Alexandra Bueno... Shout out, shout out to the Northeastern alumni. Um, like, <laughs> we're having trouble within our own community 
trying to throw events that we feel seen in yet like mm -hmm. there are also companies right so she asked like hola what do you think about companies can do to create authentic events programming etc to represent give visibility to latinx instead of doing something during hhm for views likes credit i've worked on hhm content for a big company and it felt conflicting but it's a really difficult problem if like our own community struggling with it imagine people trying to put on programming for us yeah it's i don't i don't know the right sauce for this like i don't and again so much of what i do now is is because i i craved a hella latina space when i was younger so that i can feel seen and i can feel like oh, okay there's like other people out there like me who are dealing with the same thing but it felt like because I talked a little different, because I came from a different culture. I didn't always want to eat the jalapeno. I wanted to eat the platano. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I felt like there was just so many differences. And, and, and it wasn't even differences in like the big ways. Like we had the same mm -hmm. values. We had the same language. It was just the, mm -hmm. the very cultural differences that I felt yeah. made me different. And it, I wasn't yeah. welcomed in space. And I, I mean, yeah. I'm still looking to build it. I don't know if there's a right answer for these companies. And I get the programming for the majority versus the, you know, the Venezuelans in the room or the Hondureños in the room. But I just did some research and I think it's Hondurans, Dominican. Oh, I have it here. Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Honduras and Guatemala are, um, they say, the fastest growing U.S. Latino population. And so I think it's, we're seeing this new wave of what Latinidad, I mean, the majority is going to look like, but it still doesn't mean that there's not all these other Latinos in this area as well. And I mean, I want to sit down with a Brazilian and talk about, do you feel seen during Hispanic Heritage Month or Latino Heritage Month? Like, how do you feel during this time? Um, there's so much that we could do. I don't know if it's maybe part of the program where you create something where you hear from different Latinos talking about yeah. their experience. like. I don't know what that looks like. I don't have a, a perfect answer. I, I think you just had a perfect answer right now. Like, I mean, what oh, you were just saying. Okay. I mean, <laughs> what you were saying sounded like, yo, it's it's complicated. There's a lot of different cultures at stake. Like, we just need to make sure we're representing all of them and make everyone yeah. feel included, which is a difficult yeah. problem. But some of these companies that we work for are like literally changing the world. So I don't think this is like, as much of a challenge, I'm saying, you feel me? And I'll tell you, I it never happened and I'm still secretly manifesting it will, but I remember, of course, me, I walk into LinkedIn and I talk to the chefs, the baristas, because that's where all mm -hmm. the sazon is. Um, but I started talking to one of the chefs and a Latino guy and I was telling him, like, I'm manifesting one day that I get to see a Honduran plate served because I see plata. You know, I see like they they do pupusas, they do tacos, mm -hmm. tostada. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do a lot of like Mexican Salvadorian foods, at least that I've seen. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'd love to see a Honduran plate one day. And I think LinkedIn also did a Dominican plate in New York at one point. It was it was hella of cool. course, uh, <laughs> of course. Um, and so I said that and he was like, well, send me a recipe that you would like to see and like, we'll make it happen. They haven't made it happen yet. But I sent my mom's recipe because Hondurans eat baleadas. That's our main like dish. And it's literally like a handmade flour tortilla and it has like beans and um, crema and queso and aguacate because you can't have a meal without avocado. 
And then you have platano on the side, platano maduro. And that's, that's our meal. Like we eat it for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like it's what we eat. And I sent him my mom's recipe and I never saw it. But even that, like for Hispanic Heritage Month, for like every day, what if you have like just a different meal that you show yeah. to the world, like a meal from Venezuela, a meal from Mexico, a meal from uh, Colombia? Like what if you just did something that showed our culture in different ways? Because I tell you, Pavel, if I ever see a Honduran plate mm -hmm. being served at LinkedIn, at Google, at any other company, I would be like, damn, like, yeah that's fire. Like that's, that's us. And just but speaking, speaking of perfect answers though, like you're kind of saying it without saying it. Before we get into that, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Festivals, football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year. And this fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed to help protect against COVID-19 variants. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster shot appointment as soon as you're eligible. And don't forget to enjoy the foliage. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Kin Duetas is supported by First Republic Bank. At First Republic, everyone gets a personal banker who's ready to sit down and answer your questions, no matter how complex. And did you know that First Republic's commitment to extraordinary service extends beyond its clients? First Republic is committed to strengthening the communities it serves. Learn more at firstrepublic.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. It takes diversity, right, for, to like even have a Honduran at the company, but it takes a certain yeah. Honduran at the company to speak up and say, I don't feel seen. Here's how I would like to feel seen. Food, right? Yeah. Um, and I think often that, that, that doesn't happen. And like I've been part of ERG boards. And mm -hmm. I've had dope ideas that where I would feel seen, but they've been shot down because not because of like people within the team, but like every company has their own agenda and they have their own mm. idea around like what the ERG should look like. Like I was told one day, like we should be more than food, flags and fun. I'm like, bitch, why? That sounds perfect to me. <laughs> food, flags and fun sounds perfect to me. Like. <laughs> Why do we need to like always think about like career advancement? Like why why do yeah. we have to do that? Like why are we responsible for our own career advancement? Bitch, you got a whole learning <laughs> and development team. Y'all do that. Like that if I want to dedicate our budget to food flags and fun, like let us do that. Like, why are y'all trying to I I I've, I've never understood yeah. like why there needs to be like this attachment to like our budget. Like, why how are you gonna tell me what our community needs? Like that shit was mad frustrating. Yeah. It is, but like at the same time, it's it's such a hard place to be in because if we don't do it, who else will? You know, like it's That's true. it's something I consistently struggle with. When like, why is it always up to us to like do X, Y, Z? But it's also like they ain't gonna do it, you know. And like, it's it's just hard, and it's hard to educate the majority on what we need to feel seen here what we need to cultivate career growth what we need to thrive and be successful and not consistently be in this space of having to prove ourselves to make it like it's hard to rely on them to do that for us and it's i think we talked about it last time i'm like it's a corporate hood out here like no one's gonna give you anything like 
like the corporate, my friend always says the corporate game is like for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is like sometimes it, it really is. And I think it's, it's hard work that we still need to do. Um, and I love that as someone said, like, how about moving away from food, flags, and fun? And why not educate our colleagues on how Latinidad conflicts with corporate America standards? I think there's room for both. There's room to celebrate because that's what we do best. And there's also room to educate and double whammy if you could do both at the same time. Because yeah, I don't know. There's ways to do it. I think that's the thing. It's like, why not do both? Like, why does it have to be so heavy on one of them? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's an interesting part, too, because, you know, the pro like now we're getting booked for Hispanic Heritage Month. And yes, we are, sir. The funny part about that is like we're not doing food, flags and fun. Like, <laughs> no, the that, that we're what doing... topics are you doing, Pavel? Like, what are, what are you getting hired for <clears throat> in case anyone's listening and needs to hire for Hispanic Heritage Month? That's a big point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great question. Uh, well, because of the podcast, my podcast, Quintuera's, um, a lot of what I talk about is authenticity in the workplace and redefining professionalism. And hmm. that's what a lot of companies are are booking me for. Um, on one side, it's like people that look like me to inspire and empower them to feel like they don't need to assimilate anymore and they don't need hmm. to continue faking it just to be successful. But part of the presentation as well is like for people that don't look like us to kind of like finally understand what it's like for us to work in some of these spaces. Because a lot of the stories that are shared on the podcast, people are often like, I've never shared this publicly, but and talk about their experience. So yeah. it's an opportunity to learn and empathize around what professionalism really is and unlearn what you've been talking about. Mm. And how much that affects us, right? Ugh. All the time. Yeah, But That's it's been, so fire. And, and we'll get into some of the tips and tricks on like how we've even booked some of these um, and how people have started reaching out to us. But before that, like, what are some of the topics that you talk about and you're going to book for? Mine are, are heavy on your story and, and telling your story. There's two parts to it. And I, I'm like, where's my pitch deck right now? Um, yeah, but yeah. no, one, one side of it is, is really heavy on, it's part of what um, someone had said in the chat, but it's about educating the community, even our community and those that are allies, like educating them on, this is what Latinidad looks like. I talk about all these guests on my podcast who have very, you know, different identities and intersectionalities and, and experiences, lived experiences. And I talk about all of this makes up Latinidad. This is a tapestry of what Latinidad looks like. There's an undocumented experience. There's a first-generation experience. There's an immigrant experience. There's an experience of being Afro-Latina, Afro-Latino, Indigenous. And there's an experience of being Asian-Latina. And so I talk about all of these intersectionality so that even folks in our own community, allies, anyone that's listening can know this is who you're serving and this is who you need to make space for. And it's really heavy on the storytelling. The other side of it is more introspective where I help folks in the room kind of tap into their own story. One of the things that you told me, Pavel, when we did our, our episode together was I didn't know I even had a story until I came on here. And I think I ran with that. And it's been an inspiration source of mine because so many people don't realize they have a voice, they have a story, they have something to tell. And so my work is really centered on how do we get you to tap into who you are so that you can go out mm. there and you can be a mentor, you can inspire other people, you can tell your story and let people mm. know who you are. Because I feel like 
our community is really, I mean, at least for me, my parents were, were the type of parents that were like, you go out there, you just put your head down and you work hard and like, you're going to, people are going to open doors for you. And I, people have opened doors to me and I will never not give them credit for it. But I also feel like I had to learn how to step up and tell people who I was and ask people how to show up for me. You know what I mean? And so it's partly helping the community learn how to advocate for themselves. And it starts with knowing who you are and how you need to move into the space. How did you even book your first speaking engagement? What and what was it? Well, funny enough, it started because of my friend. Shout out to Mariah Turner. Um, she is my best friend and she's been a day one podcast fan, um, such a real one. And she actually, for the last Hispanic Heritage Month, um, it was actually like after Hispanic Heritage Month, it was like a December or something, but she put my name in the mix and she was like, hey, like, I know my best friend is a speaker. She has a bunch of different guests. And it was more so like, you know, Odalis has a bunch of guests on her podcast. Like, we can tap her resources. And then her her board was like, actually, can we get her to come on and, like, do an event with no. us? And she was like, oh, let me ask her. And, of course, I was like, um, I'm down. Like, I'll figure it out. Um, and and, and you didn't even have a deck ready? No, no. It was just like. <laughs> we're going to figure it out. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, and that was my first ERG. So Intuit has been one of my, one of my like day one companies. Like they continuously hired me for, for not just Hispanic Heritage Month, but they hired me for a bunch of other events. So grateful for my best friend who opened those doors. I think you're downplaying the impact that is your community. Like when I asked you oh, how you booked no. your first event, yeah. you instantly went to like, I have a friend that put me on. Meanwhile, the only reason your friend put you on is because you've created a dope community and podcast where people are comfortable enough to share their stories. You've created this space and this platform where people are now seeing you, the value, and then recommending you. It's not because you got a friend. Where's that male energy at, Odalis? Whereas, oh my God, me and Father are talking about, I need to channel my masculine energy sometimes. Yes. (laughs) That's so funny. Yes. You did that. Not your friend. You did that. That's that's real. That's real life. That's true. Yeah, it came through just because I do what I do. And they reached <laughs> out and they the fact the fact that they were like, actually, can we get her was like a reminder for me, like, oh, I could really do this. But prior to that, I didn't know I could get paid for that. Like I was doing hella workshops and hella things for work, but I wasn't doing it for myself. Like I didn't even know I could get paid for that. And Yo, when I saw that first paycheck, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it was crazy. And now being booked and busy for these events, like, it's so, it's a testament to something that I built. And like, Bobby, I'm sure you feel the same way because we've had so many conversations about it. But I built my platform first for me. Like, I built it because yeah. I was craving stories. I was craving spaces. I was craving community. I was craving a place where we can just finally be real. Like I was so tired of like having to fake who we are. Like I I was craving that space for myself. And it just so happened that a bunch of people have been craving it too, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just a testament to like, yeah, just what, what we're both building, you know? And I think it's uh, just, this is the start of it. Yo, that that's exactly what happened to me, though. Like, because of the podcast, um, I had 
a person that was actually on the podcast, they were putting together programming about authenticity in the workplace. And they were just like, yo, we got oh, this wow. event coming up. Like, would you be down to do a speaking engagement? I did the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah. Meanwhile, I had no content built. I had nothing ready. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was going to talk about. I didn't know how I was going to get paid, how much to charge. So I started reaching out okay. to like a bunch of people that like do these things. And like, luckily, mm -hmm. they were able to share and be transparent around like pay and contracts and all those kind of things. Yeah. But as soon as I saw my first one, a light bulb went out in my head and was like, oh, shit, this is a monetization opportunity. And like, I instantly thought about like, all right, I think it was like, I don't know, February, some shit. And I was like, oh, shit, the big day or the big month where I'm going to get paid the most probably is Hispanic Heritage Month. I was like, I'm going to start sending DMs now for then. Mm. And I literally mm. started sliding in everybody's DMs on LinkedIn, not <laughs> expecting that like many people were going to reply, but it is. And I, and I can share a little bit about like how I even found the right people and all those kind of things. But yeah. months later, here I am with like, I don't know, 20 speaking engagements during HHM, all paid. Pretty dope. Oh, okay. Okay. But that's also fire though, because it was someone who knew what it felt like to be on your podcast. And, mm. and that same theme of authenticity in the workplace, if that ever comes up at work, you're the first person I think of when that topic comes up. And it's yeah. just, it's almost branding for you too. Like authenticity in the workplace, plural. Like you can't not think of plural when you think of that topic. Oof, yeah, the branding it's the branding for me <laughs> but even, even that like even even that is fascinating right like not only have you created like a platform and space for yourself and your community but like you're also simultaneously building like a personal brand for yourself yeah whereas like people i mean even in that situation because of your personal brand like people reach out to you instead of you reaching out to people which is why yeah i it's interesting because um this is the year that I think I didn't do as much outreach. And because I'm still balancing career entrepreneurship and doing both and doing it well, because I told myself, I'm like, girl, you can't do it all and do it well. Like it, you got to pick and choose your priorities. And speaking engagements were my priority, but I thought I was just going to get five max. I'm like, I think I could just fit in five. And similar to you, I got, I booked 16 different speaking engagements for Hispanic Heritage Month and I'm scaling and I'm realizing this is the stuff that fills my cup and gives me energy. Like this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. it was the year that I was more so reactive and all those 16 folks reached out to me. I mean, even, oh my God, I didn't tell you this. My cousin who I haven't talked to in like years since we were like seven, eight years old, he like hit me up via email and he was like, Prima, I know we haven't spoken for a minute, but I love what you're doing on LinkedIn. Can we hire you for Hispanic Heritage Month? And I was like, oh, what's good, Efrain? Like, how you doing? Like, it was, and we reconnected over it. Like, even that, like building community within your own family because of what you're building. Like, it, I'm, I'm like channeling my inner Babel for next year because I want to be a little more proactive and like reaching out to these companies. But it's been such a such an affirming moment for me in in my time with Hell Latina that folks are reaching out to me and wanting to book my time, my content for what they're building. 
And it's a moment for me to educate, to inspire, to have joy, to celebrate. And it's just so rewarding. Like I'm sure for you, it's so affirming to have this. For sure. And, and, and this comment, I think sums it up for me, at least it was like, that is the secret feed your soul heart first, then everything else will fall into place. Trust the process, trust the universe. And and it's true, Mm. right? Like, Everybody may not want to do speaking engagements, right? Everyone may not want to have a podcast, but everyone is passionate about something. I think mm-hmm. everyone on the low, and it depends how much effort you want to put into it, but like everyone wants to have a personal brand. And the truth is that like, even if we don't want a personal brand, like we already have a personal brand. Like people I was just going to say, per- we have a brand. We have it. Yeah. No Whether matter what. It may not be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your personal brand may be like you're lazy and nobody trusts you. That may be your personal brand. Or that's the power, though. (laughs) Like you get to control your brand. Like that's the power of owning it is that you control it versus it controlling you. You know what I mean? I'm like, you got to play the game. You got to play this system or else go and play you. Similar thing as your brand. Like if you don't have, if you don't think you got a brand, we got to work on it because everybody has a brand. And it's about you controlling the story and you telling them, whoever them is, who you are and what your story is and not letting them make up all these things like you're lazy, you're this, you're that, you're whatever. Exactly. Tell me and tell me a little bit about like, because you do personal branding, but I don't even know if you think about it like that. But like even like the different platforms where you think about sharing your story or other people's stories, like and it's not just because you work at LinkedIn. Like I'm also very passionate about LinkedIn. And I feel like it's it's such an untapped source for views, engagement, and everything. Lord. Um, mm-hmm. like how do you think about continuing to build your personal brand in just like social media in general? Yes. I mean, I for context, I used to do this work all the time. Like I used to work for a small business and I was kind of created the role for myself, but I was trying to reach more first gen students, more black and brown students. And I was doing these workshops on personal branding and how to like tell your story, how to be on LinkedIn and how to like tell your story there. And LinkedIn is such a, such a slept on platform. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Rob, like it's totally untapped, but that's almost like, (laughs) I got to a point like, like this was years ago when I was like, man, no one's on LinkedIn. This is my opportunity to like be one of the mm-hmm. first people on LinkedIn and maximize mm-hmm. this potential. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, it's so slept on. Our people got to be on here and our people got to be building their brand because it leads to so many opportunities. Like I just got on Telemundo. That happened through LinkedIn. I don't think people know that. I was, this girl reached out to me from Telemundo. She was a talent person and she was like, hey, I see like all your work on LinkedIn and I see your work on the podcast. Like, it's amazing. We'd love to interview you for Hispanic Heritage Month. That's how it happened. All my speaking engagements, they were booked on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, this is such a powerful, powerful platform. And for me, it's even just the, the algorithm of LinkedIn compared to other social media channels is so different. And it's, I mean, I get made fun of all the time by my friends. They're like, how are you on LinkedIn every day? And I'm over here on TikTok yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, but it's, it's a different platform where you get different type of content. I'm not trying to go on TikTok or else I would go on TikTok. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to be on LinkedIn because that's where the impactful content is. And that's where the opportunity connects to your brand. So yes. I, and a lot I mean, of LinkedIn was decision- powerful for you. 
Well, also like something you mentioned too, like it's about like a lot of the decision makers, not that it's not that they're not on other platforms. They are like, everyone has a fucking Instagram, but right. they're also checking LinkedIn as just like part of their jobs as well. The thing that right. I found is like, I, again, I slide in a lot of DMs. So <laughs> it's interesting. Like the people that I also slide in their DMs, this is a story that I made up. I don't know if it's true, but I'm just like, everybody's sliding in their DMs on Instagram. This person has like hundreds um, of thousands of followers on Instagram. My DM is going to get lost in the sauce. You feel me? But on LinkedIn, right. since people don't since people don't use it as much, I'll bet you I'm one of a handful of people that DM this person on LinkedIn. My DM is going to stand out more on LinkedIn than it is on Instagram. Uh-huh. And typically mm-hmm. it does. Like I've DM the same person on I've DM multiple people on Instagram and LinkedIn. Most often it gets opened and responded to on LinkedIn because not as many people hit them up on LinkedIn because again, yeah, it's, it's an untapped. It's not resource. like congested with content. It's not. Yeah, I same yeah. thing. A lot of my guests that I reach out to that are like, oh my god, I want to get them on my podcast. I hit mm-hmm. them up on LinkedIn because I just know they're not going to look at me on Instagram. Like I don't even try Instagram. I'm yeah. like, I'm gonna go straight to LinkedIn. Such a we're giving we're giving out all the tips because this is such a powerful tool, and if you use it right, man, it could be such a game changer. Like for you, Something, when did you join yeah. LinkedIn? Oh, uh, probably in, in college. Um, but it's interesting too, like for when mm. I DM people, um, at first it was really, I was like, how do, like, how do I find the right people to find at like, let's say DoorDash. Let's say I want to talk to like the DoorDash ERG. And I'm just like, how the mm. hell am I going to find these people? Like if I go on Instagram, like you can't filter by company. You know what I mean? Like you can literally go to the DoorDash page. You can see employees there. You can see if you're connected to them. But the but this is a this is a tip. You can also filter by like (laughs) specific titles. And what some people do in their titles when they're an ERG lead, they put it in their title. So you can literally filter for ERG. Mm. Like I filter for words like ERG, BRG, um, resource group. I also filter for like. Latina, Latino, Latinx, because or mm-hmm. I just filter for black because typically, even if they're not part of an ERG, they've probably been part of a resource group in college, in high school. So those words are just going to pop up in their profile. And even if they're not right. in an ERG, they may know somebody that is in the ERG just because they're part of the community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like how I that's kind of like how I start filtering out for people. Um, and start yeah. building those relationships on my end. Yeah. I, and I asked you why when you created your profile, because I'm always um, curious, because I created mine in college, but I didn't capitalize on it until later in my career. And what's crazy is that my podcast, like we're, we're building these platforms, we're building our own brands, like with my podcast, it's also led to career opportunities too. And like the big reason that I got hired my manager tell, told me like, you have content experience and that's what I'm looking for. And I, I mean, my podcast has also opened those types of doors as well. Like it's opened the career doors, but it's also opened the opportunities of like being hired by ERGs. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Quintuetas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next week.